Hello, and welcome to Maine Golf Talk. We are your hosts, Zach Zonlow and Henry Fall. In these podcasts, we'll be discussing what makes Maine Golf so special. We'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as both players and coaches. We'll also branch out to discuss hot topics in the game and chat with special guests to hear their stories. All to keep you in the know and help you improve your game. Let's get into today's podcast. We are in episode four of Main Golf Talk. I'm joined here by Zach, and we have some hot topics to discuss today. We got a little more updates on the COVID-19 situation in Maine with golf courses. We have the major championship schedule out, Ryder Cup for the fall season, and then um, we also are going to talk about the President's Cup selection for captain of the international team, Trevor Immelman. So let's get started right in, Zach. Looks like the the tour and major championships are coming together. PGA, USGA, Augusta National, the Masters are coming together with a pretty packed uh, lineup there for the late summer fall schedule for the PGA Tour in light of the COVID-19 situation. So what are your thoughts on the, the schedule and, and how the players are going to handle it? You know, I think it's going to be a packed fall. I mean, you're looking at the PGA championship being the first major of the season back to its original date, which is kind of funny after a year in May, but uh, you know, you got us open September followed up with the uh, Ryder cup and then masters. And you got to remember, we also got FedEx cup in there in August uh, as well. So I think these players are going to be playing a lot of competitive golf in the months of uh, August through November. You know, what's kind of interesting about it though, is we lost the British open this year. Of course it got canceled. But uh, I think it's kind of cool that now the 150th playing of the Open Championship is going to be at St. Andrews in 2022. So something to look forward to in a couple years. But I got a couple questions about this all. You know, how are we going to qualify for Ryder Cup? How are we going to qualify for FedEx Cup? You know, there's there's a lot of questions out there, that's for sure. The real question is how, how are you and me going to qualify for the Masters? Because now we have a few extra months, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if we can uh, <laughs> play in the Corden Ferry Tour, qualify up here at Falmouth, win a couple of events on Corn Ferry Tour, sneak in to the PGA Tour real quick, you know, a couple wins, we might be good. Yeah, I mean, hey, we're keeping our game sharp, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to do right now playing golf right now. So that's funny you mentioned the PGA Championship is essentially back to its original date. I bet they didn't foresee that happening last year. Yeah, they, they thought they had this great idea of playing it in May, and now it's right back to where it was supposed to be. Yeah, I, you know, I was just going to say, I, I I look at, you know, obviously a name that comes to mind with this stretch is Tiger. You look at his back, and it seems like he's had trouble handling cooler temperatures as well. So I'm interested to see how he, he adapts to this, you know, updated schedule. I think he'll be prime for the PGA and probably the U S open, but then you add in the Ryder cup, you add in FedEx cup and masters. That's, that's a lot. So we'll see what, what he does with his schedule. If he just prioritizes the majors and, um, and maybe the Ryder cup, if he, assuming he qualifies for the team, it looks like, I think he's in the sort of um, qualified spot. So. Yeah. I mean, what, he's going to have to play eight events from August to 
you know, end of September. That's a lot of golf for a aging golfer, even though it is Tiger Woods. That's a lot of golf. You know, I could probably see him skipping Northern Trust. You know, it's coming back to TPC Boston, but, you know, if he can find a way to get a couple more points earlier, you know, I could see him skipping that one just to keep his back in shape. But, you know, the FedEx Cup being right in between this all, that's uh, it's going to be questionable for uh, Tiger Woods to play in all these. Now, you know, we're talking about Masters. I think the November date's going to be kind of cool. You know, see Augusta in the fall with some foliage. You know, weather-wise, I think it's going to be kind of very similar to the spring where we could see some nice warm temps, but we might also see that rain cold. So I think Tiger's defense is all going to be dependent on what the weather is going to be like that week. I'm just wondering how we're going to see Ricky Fowler on Sunday because his shirt's going to be matching the trees. So, <laughs> so you know, let's, let's talk about the Masters real quick. Now all of a sudden Masters is going to be played in November, and now they're going to be going up against NFL. Does CBS push away the NFL for, you know, those final two rounds or where, where is it going to go? I mean, CBS has got it, so they're going to have to show it, but that's kind of a, a big question for CBS there. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, I mean, maybe they just have the, the games on Fox that week or, or maybe NBC picks up a few of the games. I, I'm sure they're, they're working on that behind the scenes. So, you know, I, you look at major sporting events though, on a bigger picture. And the question becomes is, are we going to be able to pack arenas again by September or November when, you know, even August when the PGA championship is slated. So, you know, are you going to be able to have thousands of people on a golf course? Are you going to be able to pack a football stadium? That's a big question. And, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely differing opinions from our leaders and even other countries on on that subject so we'll just have to see how that plays out as well yeah it's it's gonna be interesting these next couple months but uh you know we just had our master's bracket pool i don't know if there's too many surprises you know (laughs) congratulations to 19 tiger with the uh the dominant victory over nicholas did you see that coming yeah (laughs) i think i think it's you know it's fresh in people's minds and you ask the vast majority of golf fans who their favorite golfer is. What are they going to say? Tiger Woods, right? Now, I don't think Jack was quite as – I think he Jack was up against Arnold Palmer. And I think Arnold was – you know, he had Arnie's army. He was kind of the favorite in fans' minds. So Jack was always well-respected, and, and I'm sure he had a lot of fans. And But I think Arnie just had something a little more special about him that people connected with. And I think the same is with Tiger, whether it's the fist pumps or the red shirt on Sunday, there's just something about him. So with 2019 being so recent, it's in people's minds. And of course, he's the fan favorite. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, they're two very similar performances, just what, 24 years apart. You know, you had Jack, who basically was being told that he's done, he's too old, he's not going to win. I mean, he went a 23-year span, I think between master's victories i mean that's massive time so i don't think people really uh understood how big of a win that was for him especially if you look at you know how much that tournament fluctuated throughout the day i mean you had five different leaders on that final round you had an incredible you know eighth hole by seve and tom kite who both hold their chip shots for eagle i mean you don't really see that often where their players are holding back-to-back wedge shots on the par five eighth but, you know, there was a lot of drama. I mean, look at Jack's 30 on the back nine. From holes nine through 18, he had 
six birdies and an eagle with a bogey in there. I mean, that's that's some really good golf. And you look at, you know, who was coming up from behind there. You had Seve, who played great golf until the 15th hole where he, you know, dunked in the water, made bogey. You had Greg Norman making double on 10 to then reel off four straight birdies on 14, 15, 16, 17. You know, he's tied for the league going up into 18 until he flares it right on uh, his second shot on 18. So there's a lot of drama. And like you said, it was just so far ago. People, I think, just kind of didn't understand. I mean, shoot, you and I weren't even a thought in 86. <laughs> so I think that's kind of why Tiger got the uh, the nod on that one. But that was an incredible round by Jack. And to win it at 46, you know, the oldest master champion, that's pretty impressive. And if memory serves me right, I, I know you do all your, your research and you have your, you have the history report ready for this podcast, but on my end, I'm like, I, if memory serves me right, I, I think he had an article written about him, like the week leading into the event where they basically said he had no chance and he used that as fuel to, you know, have the week he did, but that back nine was on paper, a whole lot better than Tiger's back nine, not to diminish what Tiger did last year. I mean, that shot on 16 was pretty sweet, but you know, what Jack did on Sunday was, I would say, I would say that was probably the best masters if you were to watch him, watch him back. Yeah, it was incredible. You know, I do have my notes here and what's interesting is of course, Jack's infamous putt on 17 with Vern going, yes, sir. Did you know that that wasn't the first time that Yes Sir was used in the final round? Didn't he say it on 15 or something? Ben Wright said it on 15 when Jack made Eagle. <laughs> we'll give credit to Vern because it was a little bit more. You, you know, should have patented that. Come on. But let's, let's let Ben have his, have his time there with the Yes Sir. Let's look at it. So we had 97 Masters of Tiger. I thought that had a chance to upset uh, 19 especially with, you know, the historical factor of Tiger being the first African-American, Asian-American winner. Um, I think he calls it Calabalasian. So, I mean, that was massive. You know, I talked to Johnny about it yesterday. You know, it, it was incredible performance by Tiger and the fact that he just dominated after shooting 40. So, you know, you had all the workers standing up on top of the clubhouse watching Tiger because they were supporting him. So, I think 97 was a pretty good one too. 19 was incredible. And I'm definitely going to watch it on Sunday when it replays on CBS. Yeah, I, I think uh, it would have been interesting to see if 2005, when he chipped in on 16, it, he bogeyed the next two holes though. So, but anyways, I mean, that was a, that was pretty cool going down the stretch against DeMarco. Um, would have been interesting to see if 05 went up against 86 or, 97 went up against 86. I also think what if we had 2004 Mickelson on the other side of the bracket? That would have been interesting to see because that was that was quite the Masters in 04. I mean, to for Phil to finally win his first major, we all remember that. Can we call it a jump on 18 when he makes a putt? But, you know, Phil... Well, since then he's worked on his calves, so... I think he's got a little more hops now. But, you know, I mean, we, we missed a couple, too, on our bracket. I mean, we had – we forgot 0-1 Tiger when he won the Tiger Slam. That could have competed pretty good. You know, you had Mike Weir's victory. You know, maybe the Canadians would have jumped in there and jumped and voted for, for Weirsy. But, uh, you know, we, we had some good 
good masters that we, we left out. Yeah. I'm interested to see how many Canadian implants we get listening to our podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm not too far away. Going for Mike Weir. So, you know, we're talking about Canada and Canadians. International team for the President's Cup just announced that Trevor Emmelman is the new captain for the 2021 President's Cup. You know, he's going to be the youngest captain. And I don't know about you, but I'm not sure this is the right pick to right the ship. I mean, the international teams won one President's Cup. They're 1-11-1 overall. And you're picking a captain who... It's only played two President's Cups and had a record of 1-6-1. and one. What do you think, Henry? Do you think this is the right call, or do you think uh, they should have looked elsewhere? So we all know that you know Trevor Immelman won a Masters, and I think he won by at least a few shots that year. And you know he's won quite a few tournaments worldwide, and I, I believe his, his playing career was cut short. I don't know if it's because of injury, but you know he is still – um, you know, around the game quite a bit. I think he's working at Golf Channel and doing broadcasting and stuff. So I I don't mind the pick. I think he I, I think you don't need to necessarily be a great player or seen in, in that light as one of the greatest players of all time to be a captain. You look at um, Paul McGinley, who led the European team for the Ryder Cup and they won against us. So you don't necessarily have to be a World Golf Hall of Fame inductee or a four or five time major champion to be uh, a captain of a team. So I think he, he probably connects well with the players being that he's covering them week to week on the tour. And then you have his brother who's also a coach and has a podcast and does broadcasting as well. uh, Mark Himmelman. So I I think they're just well connected uh, more than anything. And sometimes that, that's really all you need to be in a position like that. And, you know, I, I think the, the international team has been sort of up and coming. I mean, they almost won, I think, two President's Cups ago. Uh, I want to say it was in South Korea, and they, they almost won that. But I don't think they're far off from, from contending on a more regular basis for that, for that event. I mean, you're right. I mean, look at last year. They – they had the league going into the final round or the final set of matches. So it'll be interesting when they go to quail hollow in 2021. So I'll be curious to see how it works. Um, I'm still a little bit, you know, questioning the the call, but you know, the nice thing is, is Trevor, he was one of the vice captains in Ernie else's team last year. So he does have experience seeing it from that side. So, you know, let's, let's, let's hope that the internationals can try to figure this out and, I would like to see the internationals win, you know, let's, let's make it some competition because right now it, the record isn't in their favor. And even though the matches might seem like they're close, they still can't pull it out. So I, the U S all but lost last year before that comeback. So it's getting closer. They, they are getting closer. So it'll be interesting to see. We got some time to discuss it right now. So we'll, uh, we'll discuss it, but, uh, we probably will forget about this in about a couple of weeks anyways. So <laughs> let's, let's talk about some more recent news though. We just had this article come out, Kennebec journal just talked about golfers being on the golf course. You know, right now we are in a stay at home order and golf courses are considered non-essential. Let's look into that. Let's, let's see why, what we can do to keep golfers at home and keep us, you know, able to play golf come May when, when we do lift that order. 
Yeah, and I don't – look, we don't need to name names or name courses or – I mean, it seems like part of the issue, too, is you look at other states. How are they handling it? Okay, Florida, you can play golf. Arizona, you can play golf. Rhode Island, you can play golf as long as you have a Rhode Island license plate in the parking lot. And, you know, maybe you're a member of the club. So each state is kind of doing their own thing, but the circumstances in each state seem to be kind of dictating the decisions that are made. Obviously, politics play a factor as well, but at the end of the day, the decision was made and we shouldn't be playing golf because for us going forward, we want to see the courses open and in a timely manner. And if we keep going out and playing and breaking the rules, who's to say they're not going to have stricter govern, uh, governance on that. And I just think that if we can get through this period of staying at home and staying away from the golf courses, yeah, it's, it sucks, but hopefully by May 1, assuming everything goes to plan and we flatten the curve, then we'll be able to go out and play. And you're only losing the month of April. Which, by the way, this last week, it was 45 degrees every day, and it rained half the week. So it's not like you're playing courses in their pristine best shape. This isn't August. I want to play just as badly as anyone else, but I know I shouldn't be out there practicing. I shouldn't be out there playing because it just looks bad. So in my mind, I might disagree with the decision, but I think we should just follow through with it they're doing it for a reason and we should, we should follow along. Like you just said, you know, the weather's hasn't been great and we've been fortunate that golf courses have been able to open early. You know, let's not ruin it and push them back. I mean, we're supposed to get 16 inches of snow tomorrow. So, you know, it's still springtime. So we're, we got plenty of golf. Let's take our time. Let's follow the rules, stay at home and, you know, go from there. You know, I saw a post from Kibo Valley today and they were out mowing the, the greens and stuff. And I think it's great that courses are just able to maintain the course during this time. I've heard from other states, it sounds like Michigan, a state you know fairly well, where they haven't been able to really maintain the golf course. So I still think that overall we're, we're in a pretty good position. Let's see how it plays out. Let's get to May. You know, if, if the courses are closed in June, yeah, that's a little more concerning because, you know, now you're starting to get into peak season. Um, I understand a lot of these courses financially, they really need to start getting opened up. May 1 probably is, is the date for them. But they've made it clear, though, PGA, MSGA, and the golf courses that if we get through April and we follow the rules, we should be good to go. You know, Michigan's going to, it sounds like Michigan's going to open up again April 14th and hopefully they can kind of get everything going. But, you know, they're in the same situation we are and, you know, they're, they're abiding by the rules and they're going to be able to open hopefully when, uh, when the day allows. So. So also in the article, there's a petition out uh, that will be sent to Governor Mills to encourage her to include golf as an essential business. And the petition has gathered over 5,000 signatures. Do you feel like that might make a difference? I do. You know, everybody, you know, hopefully Governor Mills understands that, you know, this, this is a safe sport. You know, we're allowed to go on hikes. We're, you know, we're encouraged to go outside as long as we abide by the rules. And 
you know, golf's the same way. As long as we can, you know, the NEPGA, the MSGA has sent us plenty of resources so we can make sure that, you know, the golfers that are coming to our golf courses are safe and not at risk. So I think it's, it's a good chance that she's going to allow us to become essential May 1st, but we just got to make sure that we don't ruin that in the process. All right. So I gave you the analogy too. like you look at restaurants mandated to close or just offer takeout. Um, Certainly a little different industry, but you know, you have waiters and waitresses and bartenders. That's their livelihood that, you know, now they're on unemployment or whatever they're doing to make ends meet. And certainly there's people in the golf industry that are in the same boat, but here we are, I'm sure there's more than just one person going out and playing or trying to at this, at this, at this time. And we're just trying to get a ball in a hole when I just think there's so many bigger things going on. Can't we just kind of hold off for a couple of weeks here and see where we stand? I completely agree. You know, it's not like they're telling us it's going to be months. You know, we're, we're abiding by everything else. You know, when you go to the grocery store to grab stuff, you know, you're limited to X amount of people in there. You got to stay six feet apart. We're following those rules. So we might as well just keep following everything that's in place. And that includes staying off golf courses for now. Right. And I mean, you and I both agree. I think we can make golf work uh, with the current situation put pool noodles in PVC, whatever it is, you can make it work and other States are, are able to do it. But currently we have restrictions that are not allowing that. So I guess we just follow with it. And that's, that's all we're saying. It's not that we disagree with this petition or disagree with uh, the fact that, you know, we aren't playing golf. Like I, I would like to play golf too, but because the course is closed and there's no one working there outside of maybe the maintenance staff, I shouldn't be out there playing. That's just how I feel about it. And I think, you know, once we do get the permission to go out and play, I think these golf courses are going to be in great shape because the maintenance crews do have the time to do the extra work that's necessary. I know Portland Country Club was doing a small time the other day to get their course ready. I mean, that those greens are going to be mint after we get uh, approved to play. So, Yeah, I spoke with a, a member at Falmouth Country Club, and, you know, he was driving in the the entryway there and they're building that new tee box up on 18 for the corn ferry tour. And he talked about some irrigation and sprinkler heads that they were working on down on a hole he lives off of. So I think in a grand scheme of things, if, if we get started on May one, there's, there's going to be some benefits to this, this sort of pause in action too. Um, obviously I think the courses would prefer to be open. So they're making money off rounds, but it does give them a chance to, tidy up some things and and fix things on the golf course that we wouldn't normally have the time to do. Exactly. What are you, what are your thoughts on the corn ferry real quick coming up to me? You know, I hope it happens. Uh, I think it's great for the state of Maine, you know, show off one of our premier golf courses and get players up here talking about Maine golf. Uh, And I'll be interested to see what those scores are going to be like out there at Falmouth. You know, you got a couple of holes that are very scorable and it'll be interesting to see what transpires from it all. Yeah, they had they had the main open there, and it was probably four, five, six years ago. And I think the winning score was only like five under. And now they're going to lengthen the course like, what, 400 yards, something like that. I know that the level of play may be a little bit better, but 
I don't know. I, I think the course can be challenging and, you know, it can get windy out there. Yeah. I mean, that stretch of 10, 11, 12, that back nine, when that wind picks up, that's a, it's a challenging little stretch of golf. I mean, you can start finding yourself in some spots that you really don't want to be in. And so with that tournament slated for middle of June there, curious to see if it'll happen. I, I hope so, but it sounds like they're making the necessary improvements and in, in elongating the course. So this time might actually help them as well. Looking at the tour fair schedule, you know, they, as of right now, they've canceled tournaments through May 10th. So they're looking at, you know, they're going to postpone the Knoxville open. So first event back is going to be May 21st as of right now. So it does look like corn Ferry tour you know, the live work in Maine open is going to be a go. And this is going to be great for Falmouth to have that golf course ready for these players. And, you know, now that you look at all these cancellations, these corn Ferry tour players probably are making plans come up so they can start trying to make some money again, you know, get standing so they can go up to the tour. Yeah. Like you and me, when we go to the masters. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm working out right now so I can carry that bag of yours so we can, uh, I'm setting that pin sheet ready to go. Well, Zach, I think we covered pretty much all the topics we were looking to cover today. If you guys, the listeners, want to reach out to us on social media, you can reach us at ZTZonlo on Instagram, at Henry Falgoff on Instagram. And we also have an Instagram set up for our podcast, at Main Golf Talk. Uh, so feel free to direct message us and reach out if you have ideas for topics or guests on the show. And we look forward to our next episode with you guys. Stay healthy, stay sane, stay active, and we'll see you next time on Main Golf Talk. <laughs>